Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon Show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be joined once again by friend of the show, Daniel Spivey from Brand Development from Broad Branch Distillery. Uh, Daniel, you sent a couple of expressions over. We're going to taste. Uh, Dan and I are looking forward to it. I know we got a lot of exciting things coming up with um, uh, the distillery itself, maybe some new location, maybe a new location. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit as we kind of sit through these things. Uh, but before we get started, for the people that may not know you, Daniel, or Broad Branch Distillery, you want to drop the uh, uh, the intro for us? Yeah, of course. So I'm Daniel Spivey. I run the brand development for Broad Branch Distillery. Um, and we are a small family owned and operated distillery in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, the Fergakis family and the DeMoss family were our founding families and they founded the distillery back in 2013. And we actually started producing and distilling in earnest in 2014. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to date us a little bit. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. She'll probably come out next week, but I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up uh, today. We are recording on uh, Bottle and Bond Day, uh, March the 3rd. Uh, happened back in eight, 1897. Uh, so I, I want to bring that out because a couple things that you mentioned, Daniel, that's, um, that, that we don't see a lot of in general. Uh, we especially don't see it in new brands. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Broad Branch now with your most recent big Winston release, you've got two bottle and bond expressions that are, that are out. Yes. Um, sort of our, our standard big Winston, um, for this year is a four year bottle and bond. Um, it's a standard that like we believe in, you know, the four year bottle and bond gives the consumer and gives the more educated whiskey drinker a very specific set of criteria that we all know what to expect out of that spirit. You know, we know it's going to be at least four years old. We know it's going to be a hundred proof. We know it's distilled and aged in a bonded facility. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that go into the bonded, you know, legal definition, but it sets a beautiful standard for American whiskeys, um, especially, you know, anything that's being aged in New York, New Oak barrels. Um, there's something about that four year mark that uh, I'm not sure they were thinking about it when they passed the Bottled and Bond Act, but there's just something about that four year mark. And that always seems to be no matter what the distillery is the sweet spot to start popping barrels and putting them in bottles. Yeah, I, I would say they were not thinking about that. I think they were thinking about how can we get clean whiskey that isn't going to kill somebody. And back in right. 18, 1897, quick history lesson, right? So not not to be boring, but 1897, uh, Grover Cleveland act, actually inked the act 
And um, I, I think, right, based on kind of what I've read and, and what I see, it was a lot of the, the healthcare industry kind of pushed the Bottle and Bond Act in the sense of the, the medicine of the time was, was alcohol or whiskey. And, right. you know, basically they were providing uh, whiskey that probably wasn't the best for you. So the Bottle and Bond I, Act kind of did that, right? It gave you that sense mm-hmm. of, hey, I know this is good. I know it's safe. Uh, there are the, the parameters around it that, that we can prescribe to someone and it's not going to make the condition worse. And I, I could be I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the Bottle and Bond Act was also the first time the federal government like actually regulated a consumable product. Like we hadn't regulated medicine. We hadn't regulated food production. Like there wasn't an FDA there, you know, there was, there was no EPA, none of that existed. So, you know, providing consumer protection was almost unheard of from a government kind of viewpoint when it came to consumables. Yeah, well, you're a bit of a historian, uh, so I, I'll agree with you on that note. I, I think you're accurate to say that, at least uh, you know, to the degree that that it kind of took hold and, and and took off. And again, you know, if you go into a liquor store today, and I, I swear we're going to talk about uh, talk about the whiskey, but you know, I, I think that it's it's often a challenge of mine is to go in and see, hey, what's what's on the shelf that's bottled and bond? Because most of the time, you're finding a lot of really good whiskey you've got age statements you you know kind you know where it's from you know there there are per, the the parameters around what's in the bottle and it's generally speaking some of the bargain bourbons or whiskeys that you'll find on the shelf hey, there. hey Cal, so, yeah. real quick so you guys were going back and forth on this history kind of thing and it brought me back to 1992 in wayne's world when they were talking with Alice Cooper, and he was talking about Milwaukee being certainly had a share of, of visitors back in the French missionaries back in the early 1600s used to trade Native Americans here. I mean, you guys were going on some serious rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just the way we intended for it to go, man. It is exactly, exactly where we go. All right, so I'm gonna let's circle back to the whiskey. I'm sure we'll be off on on some rabbit holes again. So I got a couple questions for Daniel. Um, I, we, you said thanks for sharing with us. By the way, uh, it's always uh, it's always a pleasure and a treat to one to talk with you two to drink your whiskey. Uh, looks like there's been a little bit of a bottle change. Well, yeah, so I've been referring to this as the great squat bottle debacle. Um, You know, the supply chain issues that the bigger distilleries and sort of the rest of the world have been feeling finally caught up with us. So we had ordered our tall bottles, which are the Genevieve bottles, beginning of uh, the fourth quarter of last year. And I delivery date kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And it finally got to the point where it was either, you know, put everything in our Isla bottles, which is the squat bottle, or just don't release age stated whiskeys and not releasing whiskeys was, wasn't an option on the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, but our bottle showed up yesterday. So the next barrel of ride, the next barrel of big Winston, um, will be going in the appropriate bottles. Can I hold it up again? I didn't so, get a chance to see it. Uh, well, yeah, I'll hold up the two and, and two different expressions here, but right. Uh, yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think y'all's presentation with the bottle is, is just out. I mean, the the juice itself, and hopefully I can call it juice, is outstanding. But the presentation is outstanding too. Some people don't like the term. I, I think it's you know it's fine. I don't I don't dislike the term juice, but 
thank you on on the bottles and the branding we couldn't be happier with you know the rebrand that we did last year but um i know i know some people get frustrated with the term juice um i can understand why they have that frustration um you know everything we put in a bottle and everything you know generally speaking anyone puts in a bottle they worked kind of really hard yes to make that right. happen right so you know, some people, the term juice, juice boxes, it's for children, <laughs> you know, like some people get upset about that. Like it's not kind of, you know, showing sort of due respect to, you know, yeah. the people that are working really hard to do this. But you know what? Everyone I know that uses the term juice are uh, generally hardcore whiskey nerds. So they're, they're not doing it out of malice or disrespect or to diminish kind of the work that's gone into producing the experience. So it's not something I, you know, that frustrates me or upsets me, but, um, I, you know, more often than not, I steer clear of using the term juice in reference to, to whiskeys. We will not use the word, the said word anymore on the podcast. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It depends on how much I drink, but, uh, but, but it will be with intent to your point. It will not be malice intent. So, right. uh, uh, so let's, uh, let's talk about, I'm sipping on the 90 right now. And, uh, you know, one thing that I think is pretty unique about what you're doing is that you got a lot, and we had a great time visiting with you, by the way, back in November, and uh, you showing off your uh, climbing skills. I'll keep it easy. And, <laughs> and we, we, we got to, you know, we got to taste a lot of stuff from the barrel. We've, we've, we've released some of that, uh, you know, some of that video and stuff that we had and had a great time, but the whole single barrel, single barrel approach that y'all are doing, I, I think is really cool. I think there's, there's a pro a flavor profile that you kind of get and, and is always, uh, reminiscent if you will, but then that uniqueness that you're kind of pulling off the different batches, I, I think allows for, um, you know, you said it right. If, if you're, you know, if I'm, I'll, I'm going to use some, some names, but you know, if, you, if you're a Jack and Coke guy, right. I mean, it, it you know, it's maybe like, I, I want it to be exactly the same every time. And, uh, you know, it may be something you kind of go to ever down there, but for, you know, for myself, uh, you got a good collection, uh, or, or a good, good stock of inventory back there of some different <laughs> bottles. And, and I, I think it's the, you know, it's kind of that adventure in, Hey, what am I going to get next? Right. And, and I don't want the palate to get dull and it's like, okay, here it is again. And here's my kind of same thing that I'm drinking all the time. I, I like those nuances that, that you get from, uh, you know, from different seas, uh, different years, right. With the seasonality right. may change, you know, hotter or colder, vice versa. Uh, I, I think it's a, a really fun, it's too, you're too far into this thing to call it an experiment at this point. Uh, right. but, but the, but the endeavor that you're on and, and what you're providing, it's, you know, you're getting something truly unique out of every batch and just the, the time commitment back to, you know, we're going to age it, we're going to let it sit and we're not going to pull a barrel and dump it until that barrel is exactly where we want it. I, I can't say enough about that, man. It's a, it's awesome. Right. And you know, my background as, a collector, um, (laughs) you know, drinker of, uh, of whiskeys, you know, a lot of us get to get to the point where you're, you're bored with the exact same thing and you want 
you want a new experience when you're opening bottles. And that kind of leads us all down the path of, you know, seeking out and purchasing single barrel picks from the various groups or the various people out there that are doing them. Um, because we want that uniqueness, you know, like you can only have, yeah, take for instance, old school Elijah Craig, you know, with, with the 12 year age statement, like as much as I, I loved that whiskey as a 12 year sub hundred proof, um, heaven Hill product. Every time you got one, it tasted exactly the same. And that's probably a product like I shouldn't use in this scenario. Cause we all really, really miss those sub hundred proof 12 year Elijah Craig's, but you know, like you get bored with the same thing. So, you know, from a consumer standpoint, I absolutely love it from kind of a brand development and distillery standpoint, you know, it's, it's part of a function of what we can actually do production capability wise. And then also what we're excited about, you know, we get really excited about each individual barrel and we get really excited tasting the differences from two different bourbons that were distilled on the exact same day and barreled on the exact same day. And they taste wildly different. Um, and I think one of one of the really, really fun things that I'm starting to see here in Winston-Salem and sort of the immediate surrounding areas is um, we have customers that have, you know, they just started drinking whiskey with broad branch products. And now that they're like a year or two years into that, that journey, they're excited about single barrels. And, you know, that is not necessarily the, like normal whiskey drinker progression to go from, you know, day one with your local distillery focusing on single barrel expressions to like, before you know it, like you're primarily looking for unique single barrel expressions. And, you know, we have a lot of customers that are fairly new to whiskey that have made sort of that quick jump because they're able to see the difference barrel to barrel in our stuff. Um, so it's really exciting seeing people learn about whiskey right off the bat in that manner. That's one of the fun things about our discussion with you and, and getting to know you over the last year or so, you know, is that you guys are continuing to push the envelope. But in a lot, one, of the, one of the compliments we get on the golf side a lot from people coming on, whether it be caddies, players or whatnot, is just that the fun experience of kind of what we're trying to do for the game over there. And you guys are doing something similar on your side in terms of making it fun and exciting for people to, again, have that journey with you and grow with you. Yeah, I mean, that's the hope. Um you know, you have to keep people's attention and we don't want to drink the same thing every time we open one of our products. You know, we, we want, we want to see what the distillers can do. We want to see, you know, what any type of barrel we could get our hands on can do to one of our spirits. So, you know, whether we're probably not doing anything like crazy or wild you know there's plenty of large distilleries that are doing the same kind of things we are um i think what definitely sets us apart from a lot of um sort of boutiques distilleries or, or folks that are distilling at our level is that we're also doing sort of the experimentation that you generally don't see yeah. from 
distilleries that are producing less than, you know, 300 barrels a day. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah. people often say this, right? They say, oh, well, you know, Budweiser, ah, it's not a, it's not a very good beer. Or whatever. It's like, those people are really, really good at making beer. They know exactly what they're doing and they're doing it right. It's just mm-hmm. to your point, it's more of the boring side, which we, we're, we gravitate toward more your side of the creativity kind of side. Well, you know, I just, as much as I would like to do like a really high quality, small batch expression coming out of broad branch, we would have to have, you know, a hundred plus barrels of stuff that, that we could pick from and mix and match just to make sure that, you know, batch two tasted exactly like batch one and batch five still going to taste exactly like batch one. And we just, we can't build up the barrel inventory right now to even attempt to try to produce consistency on like what people expect from a small batch product. Mm-hmm. Know where you're going. I think I know where you're going. I'm Uh-oh. not going to let Uh-oh. you get there yet, but before Uh-oh. we get there, uh, talk a little bit about, um, the 90 proof rye fidelity, straight rye whiskey. And so again, single barrel, double distilled, um, prairie rye mash. I'm going to ask you to, uh, to give us a little, uh, Intel on that. And just so you know, I'm drinking the uh, six years, by the way. Hmm. So bottled on nine should be one fifteen barrel twenty nine. Uh, yeah, correct. Barrel twenty nine. Yep. Yeah. Um, this rye is kind of what made me fall in love with uh, Broad Branch as a distillery as a whole. Um, you know, I'm. Rye is not my go-to whiskey, you know, like I, I sort of wet my toes in the whiskey world with bourbon that became my first love. And then, um, rye was always kind of a struggle for me. Like I didn't necessarily love it. I didn't necessarily hate it. I just quite hadn't sort of found the right rise for me. Um, then I went deep down the, uh, the rabbit hole, a single mall. Um, and then a good buddy of mine ended up with a, a, a fairly decent amount of, uh, the lot 40 cast strength that came out, um, a few years back. And I had never tasted sort of Canadian rye, you know, that very high rye content, um, with, you know, more minty notes as opposed to dill notes, you get more of that kind of nuanced sweetness, a little honey, some fruit, some fun fruit elements. Um, and I, I kind of fell in love with Canadian rice. And the one thing I didn't sort that didn't seal a deal on the Canadian rice for me was kind of the lower spice level. I still wanted more of that like traditional American rice spice level. Um, and kind of the mixture of those two flavor profiles between that, like traditional, like high rise spice level and the Canadian sort of flavor profile. Um, that's what I get out of rye fidelity. And I was like, okay, like this is sort of the perfect rye flavor profile for me. Um, yeah. and then I started digging into a little more of, of what broad branch was doing. Um, you know, and then I offered him free labor for, for six months. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> we'll yeah. work for alcohol, right? Yeah. Uh, it was one of those, like, just let me come in and learn some stuff. Like, that's fine. I'll fill barrels. Like I'll cook a mash. Like that's fine. Like whatever. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we talked about it. Uh, we've talked about it many times. I, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, the w- what people think of today and, and I, you know, I probably talk. I don't know if I'm talking to the crowd that's listening, but, you know, I think people think of rye as kind of that. It's, uh, you know, it's going to be real peppery, real spicy on the back end. It's going to be, uh, you almost want some water or some ice or something to cut it down with. And, you know, what I think is unique about uh, all your expressions from a rye standpoint is, and I don't know if it's because we've had a lot of conversations about just single malts, but I tend to kind of go, man, if you're a single malt whiskey drinker, this is definitely going to be uh, a great avenue for you to kind of go down and, and start mm-hmm. to get, not to get away from single malts, right? But to, to, to maybe expand your palate into something else. And I, I get a lot of that, just that earthiness, the grain cereal, you know, a lot of those things that are coming through in this 90 proof. And um, I mean, as far as like the burn and the pepper spice on this thing, it, like it's, I'm glad it's only 90 proof because I could get in a lot of trouble and uh, <laughs> the juice starts flying at that point. So, yeah, this is, this has been a fun barrel, like quite often, like our, you know, our wood sugar notes that we're getting off our ride sort of skew heavily towards toffee or maple. This one is more of a, like closer to sort of the Canadian sweetness, that sort of like burnt honey. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sort of uh, herbalness to it that makes you think of like maybe like wildflowers or hay, things like that. Um, some really subtle light fruit notes, like very bright kind of apple elements are running underneath it. And then what I find is sort of part of our classic like rye fidelity flavor profile is that intense sort of uh dark chocolate and coffee yeah. finish like yeah. roll soup man mm-hmm. yeah almost kind of a uh, a mocha with like an extra shot of espresso and you know it's kind of that it, it's it's really bolstered up in the back end but it's got that it's got that hint of uh it's not tartness that's coming out uh but yeah it, i mean yeah it's a, it's a mocha to me with uh with a shot of espresso in there and maybe if you want to get you know go really deep it's like with a little orange or a lemon peel a little zest kind oh, of yeah. uh you know around the around the rim hey count give me uh apex mountain with this one here where, where are you uh, where are you pouring this with people and just to kind of like get them in the mood where am I pouring it? Yeah, like, you know, give me an event or give me give me a time, you know, that you would do this, like a party or whatever it is. This, this is a this is a golf course sipper for me, man. Oh. I mean, it's we we yeah, I mean we we got some silver bullets loaded up just to stay hydrated. <laughs> and um, you know, maybe we need a little extra kick because because uh, the silver bullets ain't cut. Actually, let's be honest, I'm going yellow jackets. Uh, but the yellow jackets aren't really cutting it. We made a little little extra hit. I mean, this to me is Oh, this, this is, is, good, is it, this, like, this is hole one. This is hole one. Well, I mean, there's a little golf course in uh, <laughs> South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, called Sweetens Cove, and I mean, I don't think you actually get to start the round without a shot. So, uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I love this. I, mean, I I think of it more as a okay. I mean, yeah, a great supper, and I I think of it as a think of cocktails before dinner kind of thing. Like, like this is a great entry entry to that. And just like, it's, it's, it's right. nice and it's soft and it's, 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 but it, but it, at the same time it's complex and it makes it, it's like, it's like a wine in a way. Yeah. So for me, like we, we've released rye fidelity distillate 
at multiple proof points at this point, you know, like Boyk- the Boykins, those are the same distillate. Um, I find that like this distillate has wildly different personalities at different proof points. Like at 90 proof, I think that is kind of the best workhorse proof for this rye. Like, do you want to use it in cocktails? Yes. It's going to be fantastic. Do you want to drink it neat in the middle of summer? Yeah. You can still do that because it's got, yeah, it's got all that spice and it's got that dark chocolate and it's got that coffee, Mm. but you're probably going to get this beautiful sort of honeyed sweetness or a nice maple element. So it's not just all spice, assaulting you, you know, and like the hundred proof Boykin, like that it's lively, very sort of youthful and sprightly at four years old. And like, that's what you pour sitting around a fire. Like when people are going to be getting loud and boisterous, like everyone's having a, having a good time. And then like the anniversary ride, which was a, a seven year one Oh seven, that's what you pour. Like, after dinner sort of you know the brandy cigar time or like you're gonna sit down and like have like a deep conversation with someone do you still have some of that um if you were having to stop by the distillery i definitely have some i could pour for you Okay. All right. Cool. I (laughs) I don't i i would have i would have to go look in the back and and see if I have anything that's not sort of allocated for, you know, something in the future. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Just All the more reason to make your way to Winston-Salem, North Carolina and, uh, and stop by uh, Broad Branch Distillery. Well, so I'm I with still, him on the I, 107. I've, I've, like, I've, if I've this is a 107, I'm like, good. I mean, I, I, I that this one here is awesome. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, but the one, I mean, yeah, I just, yeah, the 107. I agree with you. Like after yeah. dinner thing, yeah, yeah. Talking about like fun rise, like we have a, we have some rock stars coming out in the fourth quarter. Like I've been playing with the proofs on them, you know, last week and this week, trying to find the right right proof point for each barrel. But we have uh, an eight year anniversary ride coming out. We haven't settled on proof point yet. We have um, we have a another eight year ride. That's going to be the first barrel in a four year vertical series. Um, and each barrel has done full maturation in a smoked stout barrel. So like the smoked stout is a very, very subtle influence. Like the color on that whiskey is like, Hey, and it's been sitting in a barrel for like eight years. And then we have a nine year apple super collider that, uh, is going to be, you know, that's one of our, our fruited rise of that, that, that whiskey is fantastic. <laughs> and that's our, those are our fourth quarter LE LEs like in it's October, November, December. Hey, Kelly, you're drilling, you're drilling, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I, I'm not going to mention what we. Yeah, I, I don't think it had a name yet, but we we did get to sample a few barrels. I don't know that any that we sampled were mentioned. I think they may have a few more years to uh, to, to sit in the wood. But uh, yeah, we had some that were just some crazy, crazy notes and expressions that are just going to be yeah. They're they're going to be pretty wild. So I've I've got lots of things pouring. I'm trying to keep them all separate and 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 set apart. But I I want to know we got some other fun things to talk mm. about. I'm going to go to uh, I'm going to go to the big Winston. Okay. Uh, that's the that's your most recent bottled and bond release. 
Uh, I think it dropped in. It was a distillery only beginning of February ish, yeah. first or second week of February, and I think it went pretty quick. Right? Is uh, yeah, well, I it, wasn't able to get there, but yeah, it disappeared. Um, which I'm I'm happy about. I'm also upset about because I only have one backup bottle of it, like for myself, <laughs> and um, you know, like it's it's a best barrel of bourbon we've released so far but it just we did we did the four four year 10 month 107 in december and that was that was a really really good barrel just the few extra months on on the five year it's just so it's really really well rounded and well developed for a five-year whiskey can i ask you a question daniel real quick so um we didn't talk about it on the on, on the right. I, I apologize, but for the for the big Winston in that, are you guys are you sourcing the the grains and materials? Are they from North Carolina? Where, where are they from again? Um, the vast majority of our our grain and raw material comes from North Carolina. Our mm-hmm. rye grain we source from Washington State. Okay, I think you told um, us that. Yeah. Okay. We've uh, we've tried growing that grain in in North Carolina. We've tried growing it in Pennsylvania. Um, also like when, when the distillery staff, you know, the rest of the team was like, yeah, we had our grain grown in, in Pennsylvania, but it's, it's just not right. So we're not going to go with that. We're going to try to grow it this year in North Carolina and see what happens. I was, I was just sort of surprised that, you know, it, it sort of comes back to what, how we do things on the scale that we produce, you know, you don't find a lot of you know, boutique distillers that are putting out, you know, last year we, we distilled about a hundred barrels of spirit this year. We're going to distill about 200 barrels of spirit. You don't find a lot of distillers that operate on our scale that are reaching out to farmers in another state saying like, Hey, can you grow our grain here? And will that flavor profile be the same? Because if so, like that's, that's perfect. And then to, to look at the potential cost savings of, of having the grain grown in Pennsylvania or North Carolina, as opposed to Washington and tasting the distillates, the three different distillates and going, Nope, the cost savings aren't worth the sacrifice. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. So, uh, so it's interesting you say that. So some of my favorite, I kind of come from a wine background, right? And some of my favorite wineries are ones that source their grapes from different places around the U.S., whether it be, you know, the, the North, the, the Northwest or whatever it be. I don't really care where it comes from. I care about how you feel about it. And is it going to make the best whiskey you can make or the best wine you can make? And you're doing the exact same thing. I mean, you're, for, you're sourcing from over there in Washington. And hey, if that's what is the best for your palate or the best for the, for the whiskey. Hey, I, I'm all about it. It doesn't matter. I was just, I was just curious. Yeah. 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 And we have, you know, we have barrels of our rye grain grown in North Carolina distillate aging. And we have barrels of the Pennsylvania grown prairie rye aging right now. And we're going to release those barrels. Those whiskeys are, they're good rye whiskeys. Um, they're just not the flavor palette yeah. of, or the flavor profile of rye fidelity. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're so drastically different at the new make level. Like the difference is like slapped you in the face. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. hundred percent. You guys are doing an awesome job. Yeah. And by the way, this, uh, what barrel, uh, what bottle 
I'm sorry. What barrel do you have? Uh, you should also have 107 because that's our own, only five-year barrel we've released. And to follow in <laughs> Max Homeless footsteps, Cal, we are not suck-ups. Our favorite foods happen to be Ryan corn too, you know? <laughs> no, I'm, I know. I'm with it. I'm with it. Yeah, I, I, I do have 107. Yeah, and uh, and you know, this is once again. I mean, I'm excited for more bottle and bond releases. One because of what it is. Two because of the you know the time and the investment that you're putting in it. I I just uh, you know there's something to be said there for uh, for what you all are the the spirit right of of what you guys are producing out there. And again, I mean, there's I I don't I mean I. You know, a lot of bottles behind me, a lot of bottles behind you. I think that there are equally different bottles. I don't know that I, I wouldn't be afraid to put this bottle up against any other bottle, uh, you know, in, in the bourbon category, in the same, uh, you know, time frame, proof point, and right. it not hold up or you say, eh, that one really wasn't for me. I mean, this thing really is, uh, it, it's, it's just awesome, man. I mean, I wholeheartedly believe that, the whiskeys that that Joe and Don are distilling and aging right now, um, yeah, we might only be doing a hundred barrels of booze a year, but our age dated whiskeys can hold their own in category with comparable age and proof point. And I, I'll I'll stick by that. No, I have a hard time believing even sort of some of the best palettes in the business. If, if I put this five-year bottled and bond down next to, you know, five other bottled and bonds from much larger distilleries, like we're not finishing last and we're going to hold our own against all those whiskeys. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. I yeah, I, I mean, I even tend to get so. I mean, if I, you know, I, I could definitely nose the two and tell that, like, because I'm going from a straight rye whiskey to a bourbon, right? I mean, you, there's a right. clear different differentiator in the two. But I mean, when again. I go, he's going to mix them. I, I mean, when I go, oh, that'll be later on. But when I, but when I, when I, I actually sort of want to. Yeah, but, but when I when I taste and finish, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, maybe it's because I'm drinking them both right now. But I, I mean, there's something there that I can still kind of pick up. So here's a question is, are any of the rye that's in the rye fidelity? Is it in the big Winston? Um, yeah, we're using the exact same rye grain. Okay. All right. So that's some of the, you know, what I'm kind of picking up then probably from just a profile right. standpoint, right. And, and, in broad terms, I mean, not, not granular, but yeah, this one is, uh, yeah. So have, uh, have either of you ever visited Germany? No, I want to go. No. I'm half German. Here we go again. Cal. Hey, Cal, guess what? <laughs> So, so, oh, so hold on, Daniel, I got, so I, this is, this is going to send us off, but I'll, we'll, we'll circle it back really quick. So Dan actually did his, uh, he did one of those DNA things. He like swabbed himself and sent it off. It came back and he was a hundred percent Irish, except for the 50% that was German. <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to you, we, we were, we were on a, we had a show, I don't know, a week or two ago and it, it was a great show, by the way, we had a great time, but, uh, the, uh, the gentleman said, uh, it, and I shouldn't, I mean, he didn't say anything wrong, but he went through and, you know, and he said he was a hundred percent Irish, went through the whole spiel and Dan sure the hell enough. He goes, Oh my God, I did the same thing. And other than, other than the 50% uh, German, I was a hundred percent Irish. <laughs> 
<laughs> he hasn't lived that day. I love it. I love it. Um, so I, I brought it up. The nose on this, there's there's a couple elements kind of merged together for me. Um, sort of the kind of the breadiness that like it comes across almost like cakey to me with like some nice, like subtle vanilla. And there's this tart cherry element. And then there's like some savory elements, but it reminds me of this uh, tart cherry cake. I would get at the German bakery down the street from my house when I lived uh, outside of Wiesbaden. Um, yeah. Like it just reminds me of that cherry cake. Every time I smell this. Now, hmm. do you think of that like the so I, the, for those that haven't been to Germany, uh, if I'm thinking about like a like a cherry Danish, so you've got the little mm. the little flat freak, flaky bread with the center, uh, you know, center some kind of uh, fruit filling in there, totally get the cherry filling on that, and then you're and then like a, a little um, uh, like a little sugar maple glaze kind of on top of this thing, man. I mean, it's uh, it, it it delivers all the way around and. I'm already thinking, uh, man, this is, I don't know why I haven't made a Manhattan out of this yet. Not that I need to destroy the whiskey, but I'm just saying like some of that, you know, especially if you use like a real, um, like if you go like Punta Mess or something, that's like a real, uh, you know, not a sweet, it's still sweet, but if you go with something with a little more backbone. Yeah. 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 I love, I love Punta Mess. Um, it's sort of, a go-to vermouth for me. I know a lot of people prefer the uh, Antica formula um, or the more Torino styles that are, uh, you know, heavier on the vanilla and sweet elements. I like the more sort of bitter aperitif elements of the Putin mess. Um, I think it counterbalances the sweetness of so many whiskeys you're going to use with it. Well, sure. um, like when you have like a sweet vermouth application with something like rum or tequila, I think those bitter elements balance out the sweetness on, on those a lot better also. Um, yeah. but that being said, there's, there's, plenty of times I would prefer like Antica formula or, you know, a Coca de Torino over the Putin mess. Um, a lot just I mean, on what or, you're or a, a Dolan Rouge. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you yeah. know, it's like, Oh, it, it's only 10 or 11 bucks. I mean, who's drinking that? And I'm like, shit, there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. Man. I mean, a who's ton of people. So death and company, um, which is a, a fairly famous bar in New York city. Mm-hmm. They opened and bought out in Colorado. Yep. And they, they're taking over my favorite spot in DC, the Columbia room, which is like bittersweet as much as I love what death and company does. Um, it's sad to see Columbia room go and how like iconic that was for, for the DC cocktail scene. Um, but death and company's house vermouth is a 50, 50 mix of Putin mess and Dolan. And it's phenomenal. It is, it's, it's probably the most versatile, um, vermouth kind of flavor profile I've tried as a, a sweet vermouth. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So awesome job on the Winston, uh, or big Winston, excuse me, let me say it appropriately. And is that going to be another, is that, that that's an annual release? We're going to see that again in February or what's the, what's the play around that? So, uh, you know, we, this year our 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 sort of normal big winstons are going to be four year bottled and bonds and then we're also we're doing two five year big winstons the first one which is the one you have and then we're doing a 101 proof uh cognac finish big winston 
at five years. Um, that guy's coming in June. Uh, we're, we're really excited about it. It's going to be our first finished whiskey. Um, we haven't finished anything yet. So like we're doing a fairly short finish on this one. It's going to be, you know, three, four months, um, see what happens. We'll put it in the bottle. Um, and then we're probably going to do, you know, a few more cognac finishes in the coming years at sort of different finish times. And, you know, we're always going to, you know, publish that information. How long has it been in that cognac barrel? You know, cause for folks like you, you know, you'll, you know, if, if you end up with one of the five-year cognac finishes, like you'll have an idea of what that three-month finish tastes like. So when we do a six-month finish, you know, you, you'll have the ability, to, whether it's through your notes or if you still have some left, to do a comparison between like how intense that three-month finish was to the six-month finish, um, right. which yeah. it's really fun to kind of like bring our, our customers on this voyage with us of, you know, our distillers are learning new stuff every day. They don't have generational experience. They don't have backgrounds in distilling. Like when they came to broad branch, this is where they learned it. Um, and somehow they're putting out fantastic, phenomenal whiskeys. I say somehow, I know they both do nonstop research and they, you know, they'll break their back to, to put out a good product. Um, but when you kind of look at the distilling world, it's it's still a little surprising how good the whiskey is they're putting out and it's really fun to consumer along their journey and our journey as a distillery yeah i mean we we kind of started when we opened up the show and and dan started calling stuff juice right away oh uh, not God. daniel dan from the show right and i and, said we were going to use and, said word and, again well, I, I'm just I'm bringing it up for a point of reference, but you know, to to, to where Daniel was going or to, to where Daniel was just going, I mean, it's you know, it, it's you gotta you gotta believe in what you're making. I I think you also have to like what you're making, which kind of leads you also down the road of you believe in what you're making. But here's the thing: if you don't want a hundred plus barrels or what, whatever the number is sitting in your sit, you know, sit sitting back in in the room that you're drinking yourself, I mean, you you know, people have to like it, and you know, feedback is very important, and you know, to be able to to get this stuff in people's hands and get it out, and it's like, hey, what do you like? And and where I was going is, you know, from the three month cognac finish to the six month cognac finish, it's like just because I like it or you like it or Dan likes it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be, you know, is, is it, is it, is it something that's going to turn and we need to keep going? And what's the, and to your point, you haven't aged yet. This is going to be your first age state aged barrel, or I'm sorry, finished barrel release. Mm -hmm. So what's the sweet spot for you? Where, where does that start to kind of hit? I'm sure it's going to be different with every, every barrel. And right. you, know, you just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's all, a, it's all part of the journey. Yeah. I mean, it definitely keeps things interesting for me because, you know, it, it's nearly, you know, every month I'm talking about a, a different whiskey release, whether it's a, a six year single barrel arrive fidelity or a four or five year barrel, a big Winston. And then in the coming years, you know, things like chocolate whiskeys and single malts and weeded bourbons and wheat whiskeys and single cask, like six plus year rums. Um, it, it keeps it really kind of fun and interesting for everyone that's, 
taking this journey with us, you know, whether it's, you know, us on the distillery staff or, you know, folks like you that have shows like this that are, you know, sort of jumping in very early in the journey or our regular sort of customers in downtown Winston. Um, there's, you know, a lot to be learned from watching sort of a small distillery grow and expand their toolbox year in and year out. Because I grew up on things like wild turkey, you know, Russell's Reserve single barrel picks. You know, I was grabbing stags and LaRue Wellers off the shelf for $80 because no one wanted them, you know. So why, why did you not respond back with something? Something like that when I sent you a message a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, like, and we all know exactly what to expect from these large distilleries because they have years and years of experience and years and years of releases. Um, and a lot of sort of the bigger new names are, have come to market with national distribution right up front um you know they managed to you know get folks that have you know full careers in other larger distilleries so yeah they they're doing sort of new experimental things but you know it's a very different thing watching two distillers like truly hone their craft from the scratch to you know eight years into to distilling and they're putting out really good whiskey and you know i i get to watch it and you guys get to watch their growth as distillers and blenders when we do blend stuff um and it's just really fun and exciting and vastly different i did slip over into the uh i slipped into cast number three of the boykin and so in going from the rye <laughs> going from the rye fidelity to uh, Big Winston, and now I just hit uh, the which you know Boykins have a dear, uh, near and dear spot to my heart. I I, I don't want to bring it because uh, our yeah. Dixie she she is uh, we sent her off to uh, for some training. I think she's like a week and a few days in now. We'll pick her up in about another week and a half. And uh, <laughs> there, there's there's something like so I just got this. Uh, so I just got a, this traditional, um, what I would say as a evergreen note out of this rye, except, well, not except, and it's like, again, it's like this burnt brown sugar sweetness that's kind of, you know, pulling all this into this kind of, uh, brown, uh, rye bread note with like this sweet drizzle of syrup over the top of it, man, which is like, and, and so you said it, I've said it, Dan said it, it's, it's this, everything is really good, but the journey that you can kind of send yourself on with these expressions, I mean, you're, you, I, again, I still kind of get this similar flavor profile of mm -hmm. that rye that's in there. Uh, but everything is, uh, it, it, it's a very unique experience. It's almost like, um, working my way through a multiple course meal and I'm now on the third course. Oh boy. Right. And so we've had, we've had conversations about, you know, large distilleries will have one or two mash bills, um, maybe three, four mash bills. And then, you know, each mash bill will carry like 
five plus sort of brand lines. And we, we sort of talked about maybe kind of doing something like that, sort of different brand lines for the same match bill. Um, and I think we lean more towards like just a bunch of different rye fidelity expressions. Like this is all the same distillate, whether, you know, it's aging, you know, when we get into the new facility in a certain area of that, of that facility that gives it a certain flavor profile, that's fine. We'll put a note on the label. Like this is rye fidelity from, you know, the sweet corner or the like oaky corner, you know, of, of the, the Rick house. Um, Cause I, I really like to be able to taste the exact same whiskey. And I know for a fact, it's the exact same whiskey because, you know, if we put rye fidelity on the bottle, when we do label approval, it has to have the same formulation. Right. Period. Right, yeah. So like DTV verifies that it's the exact same whiskey, but the kind of nice thing and what I enjoy about it is that I, I can get the exact same whiskey at different ages and proof points age ranging from, you know, outside of Boykin because that's its own brand line, but from a four year bottle to bond, um, to a six year 90 proof or a seven year, hundred, 107 proof. Um, and then all the various sort of age and proof points we're going to release in, in the coming years, you know, like next year we're doing a six year bottled and bond rye fidelity which I'm really pumped about, um, you know, how good is Rye Fidelity as a four-year bottle of bomb Boykin? It's, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. So what's the six-year bottle of bomb going to be like? Um, and you just don't get that very often. Like you'll see, you look at something like Elijah Craig, you either get non-age stated Elijah Craig, 12-year barrel proof or 18 and 23 you know, and the occasional, you know, barrel selects now that they're doing the foolproof options of those. Like, I think I got like a nine year behind me and like, I was excited about sort of the barrel proof barrel selects. Cause I've gone through a ton of different sort of age statements in the sub hundred proof area of Elijah Craig. Um, because we've never been able to taste that whiskey at nine years in whatever the barrel proof is or eight years and whatever the barrel proof is like, that's a really fun tasty to do when you can line up the exact same whiskey at different ages and proof points and really sort of taste the diversity of flavor that you can get out of a single distillate. Well, I know you, you said if I have any left to taste and uh, I've, I've got, uh, if you notice my bars kind of in, in shambles, but I'm, I'm still working on a lot of things here. So I am going to still have some that's here to taste. I'm going to make sure to put it back and just force myself. Uh, and, and actually, when we set this up, I forced myself not to taste any because I wanted to kind of have a, uh, I wanted to revisit, right? I, it's, I, I didn't right. want to walk in with, holy shit, that's why, you know, I, I wanted to walk in with, oh my God, why have I, why did I do that? Why did I put that back and not drink, keep drinking that stuff? So, yeah. uh, but, it, you know, again, for what it's worth, I, I think there's, uh, there's something to be said when you, when you drink a lot, I don't mean that in the way that it comes out, but when you, not drinking a lot to drink, I'm drinking a lot because I like the way it tastes. And that's, I mean, that's actually a true story. So, uh, I mean, there is, there's a common misconception with, you know, when non sort of spirit hobbyists or cocktail hobbyists or whiskey hobbyists look at, you know, folks that have 
somewhat robust collections. Um, the assumption is that like we're sitting here just housing drinks all night yeah. and you know, a normal pour for me at home when I have a pour is about half an ounce, you know, like I, if, if I'm going to sit down to like enjoy whiskey for the evening, I want to be able to taste like three, four five different things. And if I'm doing, you know, what most people think of as a poor whiskey, which is an ounce and a half, that's sort of industry standard. I, I can't drink through that many whiskeys or I'm not going to be able to function the next, next day. So, you know, like I'll consume maybe two to three ounces of, of spirit in a given evening. Um, but it's broken up into much smaller increments because I just, I do really enjoy the taste of all of this. Yes. So you bring me to my next point, Daniel, and that is, I was going to ask this before, before you went on, 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 on that kind of tangent, but that's a great point. Um, what is your favorite flight of your stuff? If you're going to put one together, what would it be? Oh, um, if, if I'm doing a two bottle flight, honestly, my favorite flight isn't any of our age stated whiskey. It would be our night lab, which is a hundred plus year North Carolina moonshine recipe. It's been, it's been made in our area of the state since before prohibition. Um, and then Frank's reserve, which is the three year blended age stated rendition of night lab. Um, and the reason I love sort of that sort of two bottle tasting, um, is that the night lab tastes more like a tequila than it does sort of moonshine or a white whiskey. The Frank's reserve tastes like a low ride bourbon with a little bit extra sweetness. Um, and the reason I like that so much, it, it, highlights how important kind of barrel selection and aging and blending can be to the flavor profile of the spirit, but you know, it just fundamentally, um, changes it. Uh, If I'm doing sort of an age stated whiskey out of the distillery, um, the last two private tastings I did were really fun because I pulled a total of four whiskeys outside of like, okay, let's, you know, taste whatever the next Ellie is or whatever we just dumped. I did a five year rye fidelity, the second barrel we ever did at 90 proof with barrel 29 at rye fidelity, which you guys are tasting right now also at 90 proof. And then I did the, uh, 85 proof four-year big winston sitting next to a uh a five-year the five-year big winston wow um and that was really fun to kind of show sort of difference in age and proof and how those little things can fundamentally shift the flavor profile of a spirit with not much time slash not much of a proof difference I'd love that answer. Do, do you always pull the samples in person or do you sometimes <laughs> climb pre-sampling? <laughs> so like for, for tastings like that, when I start pulling out, you know, single barrel whiskeys, um, 
I'll, I kind of have my historic bottle sitting in the back of the distillery that I save just for tastings or, you know, whether it's a charity event or, you know, future use for marketing or sending, you know, to influencers or whatnot. So I'll go back there and be like, okay, what kind of tasting do these guests want? And then I'll build the tasting around, around sure. kind of their references i i really enjoy doing you know four barrel rye fidelity tastings where i have like four different rye fidelities at 90 proof um that's always a really fun one to do because it really highlights kind of the difference barrel to barrel yeah and again i i think that's the the fun part of what's happening there is, uh, you know, the, the the nuances that you can get, you know, in in, in the side by side action there. So, uh, I'm going to go to to the 107 that I've, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, well, uh, will we have any left? We yeah, will. What is this hat I'm, you're wearing tonight? Uh, it's Pioneer Apparel. Oh, okay. Oh, it's our, wow. it's, it's our, in Canada. Okay. All right. Cool. It's our, it's our Canadian friends. Yeah. yeah. I, I knew, uh, I knew Daniel was going to talk about, uh, <laughs> he's going to bring a <laughs> Can- Canadian with me. So, uh, so I'm on barrel 107 bourbon or 107 rye. Uh, I'm on 107. I don't have 107 rye. I only, well, uh, I could, t- well, I could go back here and grab maybe another bottle, but what I have in this one is bourbon. Yeah. All right. I'll, and, I'll send you guys some samples of, of the anniversary rye. That was the seven year 107 proof. Um, and it's, at 107, it actually, it drinks closer to hundred proof and it's just, it's it's just more elegant you know like i've I've, people have asked me when when we still had we had that and a little bit of boykin left in the tasting room and people are like why should i get one or the other and you know the way i described it was think of kind of that four-year hundred proof boykin like your 12 year old niece or nephew that you absolutely love hanging out with. They are a blast. You always have fun. You're always going to remember kind of that experience. And then think of the seven year one Oh seven rye as that same niece or nephew when they're like 28, 29 and you can start having like more kind of grown up conversations and develop a relationship that isn't geared around them kind of being a child. No, to- totally makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's just kind of a more developed. Uh, yeah, I, I, I get it. Uh, so as as you're pouring, uh, I'll uh, I'll throw in a little bit of noise here. And you, you mentioned earlier on when we were talking, you said 2021, you were give or take uh, 100 barrels plus, and 2022, you're going to be 200 barrels plus. Yes. Uh, Dan and I have both been to your facility in downtown Winston-Salem. Wonderful facility. Uh, Wonderful facility. I loved it. Couldn't have had had a better time. Had a great time. And they made, made, what what did we have, Kat? We had a a great um, cocktail over there, too. What was it called? Um, What did we have? Uh, I think we had an old fashioned. Old fashioned. Riff on an old fashioned. Yeah, Yeah, we had a riff on an old fashioned. I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know where you're going to double. 
the amount of barrels at your facility? So good news. Um, we closed on a new building in December um, and just started sitting down with, with the architects this week to start planning out the new facility. So um, the current distillery right downtown Winston-Salem, absolutely wonderful location, but we are very, very limited on what we can do there. Like we, we probably wouldn't even be able to fit, you know, an actual larger still in there that could maintain a similar flavor profile to our current still. So we got the new building. Um, current building is about 4,000 square feet. The new building is 32,000 square feet. Um, so sounds like more than 200 barrels. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, (laughs) we'll have, we'll have room to be able to produce 200 plus barrels a year. (laughs) Um, very excited about it. And this is, it's going to be a phased sort of upfit to this building. Um, it's about a, about a mile away from the current distillery in a neighborhood in Winston-Salem called Whitaker Park. There's a ton of development going in there right now. Um, our building was built in the early 1900s. It was originally the Old Dominion Paper Company. Um, absolutely beautiful all brick building. It's still got all the original, like, massive, like, two foot by two foot timbers like running through this place and like the main sort of supports. Um, so we got to get a new roof on it and kind of get it sealed up, uh, so we can start storing dry goods, bottles and start bringing barrels in there. That's kind of the first thing that's getting done. Like you've, you've seen the back of, of the distillery where we keep all the barrels right now. And, uh, there's just no room. Um, so, you know, first priority is get barrels and dry goods out of the main distillery and into the new building. Um, and then we'll start, you know, getting new stills installed, the fermenters, the chillers, grain silos, you know, whole nine yards. We're expecting this to be a, a two to three year project, probably closer to the three year mark until we're like fully transitioned and moved into the new building. Okay. So are you, are you gonna, are you going to be at two locations or you're good? Cause it's only a mile away. It's not that far. Right. Are you fully going to the other one? Um, that is TBD? still undecided. Yeah. That's still to be determined. Um, we do love our downtown spot. Um, sure. of course, of course we'd love to sort of maintain a presence right downtown. Beautiful. Um, yeah. but you know, dollars are dollars and you know, ultimately we have to, we have to make the best business decision for us. Right. Yeah, well, a mile outside of where you're at, I mean, that's kind of still downtown in Winston-Salem. Right. Not, not, to, I'm, not in any kind of way. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I live a mile outside of not a, you know, outside of downtown Atlanta and I still say I'm downtown Atlanta, you know, so. Right. What it, and, I mean, we're behind the Wake Forest right. football stadium and, you know, oh, nice. It's a mile from downtown. Like you're, it's still very urban. Um, sort of. It's sur- the new facility surrounded by old uh, Reynolds American buildings. So like everything's okay. had tobacco in it. Like there's all this history. I love, in there. I love that. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. Yeah, we is love that, it. Is that it, Old Dominion the trucking company, or what became the trucking company? Is it the same one? You think? 
I don't think it's the same company. Like they were a paper company. I think, I think, I think they're, they were very different companies. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. And it, it is, I mean, is the, you, I don't know how much, and, and I know you just started talking about the development and kind of what's going on, but I mean, is this, are you guys foreseeing like it, it, it's an experience there? Like you, I mean, you're coming in and it's, you know, we you, interactive and it, I mean, yes. I don't know that we can make our own whiskey, but like, like you're coming there for an experience and to kind of sit a bit, not just for a tasting. Right. I mean, there's, there's a ton of things we'd like to do in our current space and, you know, we just, we don't have the room for a lot of the sort of the customer experiences we'd like to provide, you know, so the extra space and being able to kind of start from scratch on envisioning how we can have, you know, the flow of customers in to go do a tour, running through the tour into a tasting room. And then from the tasting room into sort of a retail front, um, you know, all that kind of stuff that we just don't really have the opportunity to plan out in the current facility. You know, there's going to be a full service bar that's open, you know, or five days a week. That's um, awesome. That's awesome. At some point, we're looking at like a standalone kind of restaurant on, on the property. Um, there's going to be a large event space for, uh, you know, whether it's large corporate g- gatherings, but, you know, we, it's going to be big enough for three to 400 person weddings, like that kind of size of nice. event space. Um, so, you know, we'll be able to host, you know, sort of intimate concerts, you know, special events, um, and really just sort of kind of support supports community and more of a hospitality standpoint while also trying to produce world-class whiskey and rum. Uh, so I'm thinking, I'm trying to, to, in my mind's eye, you got your four barrels high in your current facility. Is that right? Or five? Three barrels high. Three barrels high. Okay. Three barrels high. Are they allowing it to go more than three barrels high in the new facility given your, or are you, uh, you expanding your, um, your talents? Um, it will, it will depend on sort of the ceiling heights and like how low kind of sprinklers are hanging. Um, there's gotta be a certain amount of clearance between the top of the barrels and sprinklers to make sure things sprinkle properly. Um, but, we're going to have enough kind of square footage to where even if we can only go three barrels high, we're still just increasing our barrel storage capability significantly. Yeah. Well, you're going to be in a lot, uh, not that you're not in good shape. I know you're, uh, you're big into cycling, doing a lot of things, but I mean, you double the, double the barrels, you get to climb around. I mean, things are going to happen. Cycling. Yes. I'm, I've been known to enjoy a mountain bike ride from time to time. Uh, what, what about uh, what about a rowing machine? <laughs> I I really enjoy rowing. Um, I I actually have a uh, concept too here at home. Oh, I mean, oddly enough, when Dan when Dan revealed that he was a hundred percent Irish, except for the fifty percent that was German, he was he he wanted to talk all about rowing machines. So there you go. <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, would you go? In, I mean, would you buy any other brand other than the concept? I heard a couple of weeks ago from from the guru of CrossFit. I think the concept is the that's the flagship of rowing machines, right? Oh, God. It, you know, it's it's kind of the gold go. standard. 
um, of rowing machines. They're built really well. They work really well and they last forever. Like a, a three to five year old concept to a used concept to like, you're only going to save a couple hundred dollars buying the old used one as opposed to buying a new one. That's how well they're built and how well they hold up that they don't lose very much value. Even if they've been in a gym being rowed heavily outdoor. Um, I mean, kind of the, the excitement mountain biking provides like the go fast, don't die. Um, sort of element of it because I'm not getting on a motorcycle. Like it's just like, I would, I would somehow kill myself if I, if I decided to ride a motorcycle. Um, so I, I stick with my mountain bike. It goes a lot slower. So, you know, sort of impacts and forces aren't nearly as bad as, you know, something like a motor motorcycle. I also really enjoy sort of, you know, you do, you do a five mil, five mile ride. Um, and you know, a five mile ride can take you anywhere from 20 minutes. If it's all sort of downhill to like an hour, if there's really challenging climbs, but that entire 20 minutes to 60 minutes is just high intensity cardio. And you're just, you're either pedaling for your dear life to try to get up a hill or you're trying to catch your breath as you go fast and don't die. Cal's like, oh shit, we went down this road again. Damn it. <laughs> we lost so many <laughs> listeners last week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so but, I but I think we gained new ones. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> so, so Daniel, how many, how many days a week are you doing the, uh, the cardio? Uh, it, it kind of just depends on work. I, I try to ride, um, 15 to 20 miles a week. Uh, so just depending on how like froggy I get on individual rides somewhere between, you know, two to like five rides a week. Okay. Um, okay. I don't, I've never had time to do five rides a week. I'm yeah. just in my mind thinking like, well, if I was trying to hit 15 miles and like, I was only doing like very short rides, like, <laughs> yeah, generally it's like two to two to three rides a week. Okay. So the guy we were talking to was talking about Rory McIlroy and he said he was walking. I think he was, I think it was at the masters, right? Cal, he was walking with his agent and he said, well, the one thing we're trying to do with Rory is keep him out of the gym because the guy just wants to be in the gym all the time. And we're like, dude, get back on the golf course and drive some golf balls. We want you to win. So are you hitting the weight room too in a, in conjunction with that? Or is it mainly just a cardio kind of thing for you? Yeah, I'm actually, better about maintaining my kind of weight room schedule than the mountain bike. Cause you know, I don't have to take like a 20, 30 minute drive to get my, you know, get my bike out, load the bike, drive out, unload the bike, do the ride, load the bike back up, wash the bike, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I try to lift, you know, three or four times a week. Daniel, what you did know is we had a fitness portion of the show that we uh, that, yeah. that Dan incorporated. Uh, you know what? Like wellness is important. You know, both physical and mental wellness. Like we sat down, we've we've shared shared some pores. That's part of our our mental wellness. And now we talked about the physical side of the wellness. Yeah. So this is a well-rounded show. Cal would say, Cal would say that your high, that your high rye would be great for a, um, before you start the weight room. 
Mm. Well, I think it, it gets my metabolism flowing for sure. By the way, I, I, as Dan's been going rambling on, uh, not Daniel, but Dan has been rambling on about uh, about working out, which he does not do. Uh, I was I was uh, tasting the 107 anniversary edition, and uh, yeah, it's you know once again. I mean, I, I haven't had anything that disappoints yet, and not only does it not disappoint, it over delivers. I want to be respectful of uh, Daniel's time and uh, th- those that are listening, we don't need to run yet necessarily, but Daniel, is there anything that we miss along the way for Broad Branch Distillery? And uh, you feel free to drop it as you will. And if we want to stay around and uh, have another pour and chit chat, we can. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I really kind of covered you know, we talked about distillery expansion this year, both production and facilities. We talked about the really fun rise at the end of the year, um, the cognac bourbon. Uh, outside of that, you know, like we're just happy to be distilling and putting something in a bottle that that folks are enjoying, yeah. Um, yeah. and that it's it's not just it's not just our locals that want to support us as, as a distillery. It's, you know, people from outside Winston-Salem, people from outside the state that are having the opportunity to taste the stuff we're making and going, okay, okay. You, you can do this on the craft level and you can do this the right way on the craft level. And if people can't make it there in person, uh, where are they buying broad Ranch distillery product at? Currently, only in North Carolina ABC stores. Um, We are, we should be branching out into Illinois in a very, 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 and we'll use one more very before I say limited way. Um, I mean, probably less than sort of two barrels of spirit um, a year will end up going into Illinois for some direct consumer purchasing via a website called spirit hub. Um, we're also looking to branch out into South Carolina this year, specifically for the Boykin brand line. Um, that is the state dog of South Carolina and our brand partners would like to see us available down there. Um, also the state dog of my house. So I'm just, uh, I don't know if that's even a thing, but, (laughs) but outside of that, I mean, we're just, we're happy people are getting excited about our stuff also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. To be respectful of your time, you've been uh, more than generous, sir. Uh, thanks for everything. We always appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to getting back into the uh, sand hills of North Carolina. And I do. Doing it again. God. Yeah, definitely. Definitely let me know next time you come, guys come down here to, to swing the clubs around. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Well, get you, Thank get you, you for having me. I, I always appreciate it. It's always a good time. All right. All right let's, ha- let's have a pour and do it again, man. Cheers. Cheers. Have a good one, guys. Bye.